Hello, welcome to Talking Tax, a Bloomberg BNA tax and accounting podcast where we discuss everything involving tax, from the courts, the IRS, or Capitol Hill. I'm your host, Matthew Benningfield, and I'm excited you're here with us today. Hello, and welcome to Talking Tax, a Bloomberg Tax podcast where we discuss the latest tax and accounting issues. I'm your host, Matthew Bedingfield, and I'm really excited for today's episode of Talking Tax. Today, we're partnering with EY, who's graciously supplied a group of extraordinary tax policy experts to give you the latest analysis on the GOP's tax bill that was released just yesterday. The Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which is being heralded by the GOP as a game changer that will fix our broken tax system, is the subject of our discussion today. There's certainly a lot of ground to cover with this new bill. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. I'd like to first introduce my co-host for today, EY's very own Justin Schaefer, who will be introducing all of our esteemed panelists for today's episode. Justin, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Matt, thanks so much for having us here today. We're more than excited to kick off this series with Bloomberg and look forward to a great conversation on the release of House legislative text on tax reform. My name is Justin Schaefer. I'm a partner in our international tax practice and EY's U.S. tax reform leader. I'm excited to have with us today Mr. Michael Mendaka, is EY's co-national tax director. Michael served in several U.S. Treasury Department roles, including the Assistant Secretary for Tax Policy, the Deputy Assistant Treasury Secretary for International Tax Affairs, and as the Deputy International Tax Counsel. In these roles, Michael represented the United States at various international forums, including the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, or the OECD, as well as in the negotiation of various tax treaties and other international agreements. Thank you, Michael. I'm also joined by our America's tax policy leader, Ms. Kathy Koch. Kathy served three and a half years on the Finance Committee, where she was Chief Policy Advisor to the Senate Majority Leader for Tax and Economics. She led business outreach for the leader in the Democratic Caucus, and led all tax and economic policy initiatives, as well as strategy and communications. Welcome, Kathy. Last but not least, we have Mr. Jose Murillo, who is a partner in our international tax practice. Jose served in the U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Tax Policy as a member of the Office of the International Tax Council and assisted in the development of international tax policy, treasury regulations, and other guidance. Thank you, Jose, for joining us. With that, let's dive right in. And this one is, we're going to start with you, Michael. What are your major takeaways for businesses in the House legislation released just yesterday? Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Matt. Uh, I'll focus on the big changes. There's a lot in here, but what uh, businesses should focus on first. And I'll focus primarily on those affecting uh, companies operating here in the U.S. And I'll leave to Jose and later in the podcast for some of the international changes. And I'll start with the rates, the big change to focus on, a dramatic decrease in the rates for corporations from 35% down to 20% and effective immediately. No phase-in, immediately effective uh, 20% rate beginning in uh, 2018. That's for corporations. For businesses that operate in non-corporate form, partnerships, limited liability companies, S-corps, etc., there will be a maximum rate of 25% applied to their business income. Now, there are some complicated provisions in here with respect to figuring out what the business uh, income is, and there'll be some special rules to prevent 
what should be taxed as wages from being eligible for this lower rate, but again, a dramatic decrease for business income earned through flow-throughs that normally is subject to tax under the individual income tax system and therefore could be subject to tax at a rate as high as 39.6%, even under the new system, which maintains that highest bracket. So those are the rates. What else in there is uh, good for business? Immediate expensing, that is immediate write-off of uh, certain purchases of property used in business. You would no longer have to depreciate that, that is take deductions over a period of time with respect to those investments, those purchases of business uh, equipment. For five years, starting retroactively, uh, September 27, 2017, when we saw the first house proposal, going through January 1st of 2023, there would be this uh, immediate expensing. So uh, five plus years uh, availability uh, with a potential additional year, but keep that in mind, uh, expensing for essentially uh, five years. Big benefit to business. Now, it's not all good. There are some uh, provisions that will broaden the base. We're lowering the rates giving incentives for investment, what are the provisions that would raise revenue and keep this uh, within some modicum of fiscal responsibility, there are interest expense uh, limitations. This would limit the deductions for businesses of net interest expense to 30% of the business's adjustable taxable income. Disallowed amounts would be uh, allowed to be carried forward for five years, so you'd have to figure out your taxable income. Interest, not taking into account uh, uh, the uh, interest payment itself could only be 30% of your adjusted uh, taxable income. There are also significant modifications to the use of net operating losses and very significantly repeal or restriction of most business exclusions, deductions, and credits, including the current uh, deduction for manufacturing activity, so-called Section 199, the work opportunity tax credit, the new market tax credit. Also, as I mentioned, significant changes to the international tax rules, but leave that for uh, a bit later. That's a brief overview of what this does on the business side. All right. Well, thank you so much, Michael. And uh, next, we're going to go to Kathy. So, Kathy, with your background in the Senate, what did you walk away from with the release of the bill yesterday? Thanks, Matt. I was must say that my kind of first impression was the numbers worked. I, this was a very, very difficult kind of arithmetic exercise. And, you know, they needed to put out a bill that had comprehensive reform across the spectrum of taxpayers, individual, pass-through, and corporate. And it could only cost $1.5 trillion, which sounds like a lot of money. But with the kind of changes that Michael was just discussing, $1.5 trillion was a pretty hard target to hit. And, in fact, they hit it. And they hit it pretty pretty soundly, $1.487 trillion dollars is the net cost of this bill right now. And I think, you know, that signals that this is a very serious exercise. This is not, you know, kind of a, a, a marketing exercise. This is not just a sales job. This is a very serious bill. And we all need to look very carefully at it. There's, as Michael said, there's a lot going on here. Individuals on net get a 929 billion dollar tax break. Businesses, an $850 billion tax break. The increase is actually the increase in taxes over the next 10 years, about $62 billion will fall on kind of foreign operations of, you know, of companies that operate in the U.S. and, and globally. But, you know, these are big numbers. This is 
they encompass a lot of different detail underneath that. And I think kind of my takeaway is take this seriously. This is a, this train is moving and there's, you know, the devil's in the details for every single person approaching this. You have to look through at each different provision and see how you net out. Thanks, Kathy. Kathy, that was a great overview. Uh, you know, how the numbers add up is, is something that we are all going to be watching uh, over the coming uh, weeks and months uh, as tax reform progresses. So, uh, fascinating overview. Thank you very much. Jose, we, uh, we saw some significant new international provisions included in the House bill yesterday. What was uh, included, or I'm sorry, we saw some provisions that changed from uh, what was included in the framework originally. Can you go through, can you take us through those? Sure. Thanks, Justin. Just first, what was in the framework and expected was a move to a territorial system, providing 100% deduction for uh, foreign source dividends received by U.S. corporations from their foreign subsidiaries. So that was expected. Uh, Also, a transition tax, so a one-time tax on existing deferred earnings paid at two rates. Uh, That was expected. Uh, The bill does provide clarity as to when the earnings are going to be measured provides two alternative dates, the greater of the amounts on each of those dates, so additional detail. Now, what was new, hinted at in the framework, but just did not include a lot of detail, uh, were anti-base erosion proposals. The first one uh, dealing with uh, foreign earnings of U.S. multinationals, effectively establishing a, a global minimum tax on on those, those foreign earnings. Hinted at the framework, but now that we've seen the details more far-reaching than I think anyone anyone expected, uh, the proposal does, consistent with the framework, provide for a reduced rate of taxation by taxing only half of that income, but nonetheless, very far-reaching, has the effect of really limiting the benefit of the territorial system. In addition, uh, the framework had uh, indicated that additional rules would be provided to level the playing field between U.S. multinationals and foreign multinationals. The way this bill has decided to do that is by establishing a new excise tax to be paid by a U.S. company that pays certain deductible payments and makes other payments to foreign affiliates, applies both in the inbound and the outbound context. Very new provision, many say inconsistent with historical uh, tax policy, et cetera. Back to what Kathy said, this provision on its own raises about $155 billion. It's gotten quite a lot of interest, as you could expect, in the last the last day since the bill was released. And then finally, additional limitations on the, the deductibility of, of interest expense. They've changed the earnings stripping rules in 163J, and then on top of that, provided an overall limitation where a U.S. company can only deduct effectively its share of the net interest expense of its worldwide group. So at a high level, Justin, those are the international elements. Yeah, Jose, I heard you say a lot of things there. New was uh, said a mul- multiple of times. Uh, major, significant, all of these, uh, you know, big words here around uh, how exactly this has really uh, shifted from uh, what was originally envisioned in the framework to what we saw yesterday. So, Jose, let's stay with you on the international provisions. How do these major international provisions differ from our current worldwide system? So the territorial system obviously is a change, right? It is new, not surprising. People expected it. People expected to have to pay a toll charge. Different terms, sort of different rates, more clarity on how the calculation is made, but it was expected. What is completely new and surprising, I think is a word to use as well, is all the anti-base erosion rules, right? The global minimum tax, it's levied on high foreign returns. And the excise tax is certainly something that was not not expected. So just complete, completely different change. 
The last provision, many have suggested that perhaps we're moving to a more source-based rule of taxation where we're taxing economic activity located in the U.S. So completely new system. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jose. And uh, next, we're going to go to Michael. So, Michael, for this one, uh, as we follow the legislation through the House, what should we expect over the coming weeks? What can uh, practitioners and uh, just normal lay folk uh, anticipate with the legislation? Yeah, I think a couple of things to keep in mind. One, we're at the beginning of a process here. So we have now, in essence, a draft bill. It's not even really a bill at this point. It's a draft bill that could change uh, even before introduction. So so we have the draft. People are going to look at it now, uh, including uh, members of Congress, and they'll have an opportunity, all of us, to talk to uh, Chairman Brady about changes they may want to see. What we expect next is a so-called chairman's mark. That'll be the official bill that Brady presents, Chairman Brady presents to the House Ways and Means Committee for their consideration, their so-called markup. That is going to begin on Monday. So we expect to see another version of this bill before Monday, perhaps as soon as today or tomorrow, but certainly uh, before Monday. Then the House Ways and Means Committee will consider the bill, and amendments could be offered uh, in committee, so we could see further changes there. And just keep in mind, we've talked about some of the surprising things in here with respect to business income. There are a lot of issues on the individual side that people may have issues with, so there are opportunities for change. And keep in mind as well, we've talked about some of the surprises about what's in. There's also some surprises about what wasn't in. We didn't see anything on carried interest. We didn't see anything on the repeal of LIFO. We didn't see anything on uh, advertising expense limits, no 401k changes, big changes to deferred comp. All these could be considered in committee as other changes are considered. For example, if there are some uh, pullbacks on some of the rules that are in there in order to hit the revenue numbers as Kathy laid out, there'd have to be other provisions included to raise revenue. And these revenue raises I just went through that weren't in the bill could be considered. So again, next week we'll get committee consideration of this bill. They will vote it out. Presumably they'll approve it. That's what's expected sometime next week. And then it'll go to the full house for its consideration. Between the consideration by the committee and the presentation to the full house, there could be further changes proposed by the speaker, for example. And then we'll get a vote by the full house. It is not expected under the house rules. It is generally not the case that there'll be changes by members of the House when they're considering it to vote. So they essentially will have an up and down vote without a great opportunity for amendment. So when they vote on it, they'll be voting essentially on what we think will be the final bill that comes out of the House. But even that is only one part of the process. All right. Well, thank you so much, Michael. You know, I I think everyone kind of anticipated uh, with such massive tax overhaul, uh, you know, tax reform is going to be a process. So uh, we look forward to uh, seeing where things go. Next, let's go to Kathy. So, Kathy, as the House moves forward with this legislation, what can we expect from the Senate, and how does it differ from the House activity? The Senate is going to be really interesting, Matt. Generally, individual senators feel more empowered to offer amendments and to make changes, to demand changes, in fact. So the, the process over there, I think, will take longer and be kind of a little more active. Already, Senate Finance Chairman Orrin Hatch put out a statement that said he's working with Senate colleagues to finalize the policy deals of the Senate's proposal to produce a mark for consideration over in the Finance Committee as soon as the House Ways and Means Committee finishes 
marking up the bill. That's very interesting. The idea that the Senate Finance Committee would start on a bill before the House has finished consideration sets up an interesting dynamic. That means House members could be voting on a bill that they already know is going to change over in the Senate. So, you know, one thing that a member never wants to do really is vote for a pay for that hurts some constituents. If you know it's not in the Senate bill, it's not, you know, kind of it, it may not become law. So that sets up an interesting dynamic for a House floor activity. The Senate generally is a place, keep in mind, it generally operates under rules that, that require a supermajority to pass a bill. It, you know, any single senator can object, can filibuster. Now, these rules will probably be overcome with the reconciliation process in the Senate, but it doesn't change kind of the underlying personality of the Senate, which is that senators offer amendments, tons of them. They have very strong feelings about individual provisions, and they also have the power to kind of to block a bill. In the Senate right now, we have very thin Republican margin. Two votes is all they can lose before they're going to need Democrats to cross the aisle and vote for, with them on this bill, or, you know, they're going to have to make major changes. And we already see kind of senators, you know, people discussing, what about the moderates? How are they going to feel? What about the deficit hawks? How are they going to feel about a $1.5 trillion tax cut that, you know, kind of that's going to be financed by, by growth? Um, so I think the Senate is where the action will be. The Senate is where changes will occur. Again, as Michael said, start of the process, and I would say that the, process, the end process in the Senate is going to look different than the beginning process in the House. Thanks, Kathy. That's a really interesting overview, and, and I think we've got a lot to watch over the next coming weeks and potentially months. Uh, it's certainly going to be a very enjoyable time, I think, uh, for all of us that uh, participate and, and watch what's happening on Capitol Hill. So finally, let's let's go back to Michael. Michael, for all of our listeners that are running a business, how should they respond to this release of the draft legislation? I think three things, model, plan, and influence. And let me break that down. Model means you have to very specifically understand what this bill means for you and your business. So you need to do a fairly sophisticated analysis of the interactions of all these provisions, the lowering of the rate, the increase in the ability to expense, the decrease in the ability to take other deductions. You need to have sophisticated models that you can use with respect to your current numbers, your current uh, business activities, and figure out how this bill uh, affects you. Then what you need to do when you have that information is you need to plan. You need to think, what could I change in order to get a better tax result? See what the limitations are with your current business structures, your current business activities to get a better outcome than potentially you would with your current structures. If you can't get the outcome you would like, then what you need to consider is how you could influence this legislation. As I mentioned, there may be some, albeit limited, opportunity to influence what happens in the House. There may be better opportunities to influence what happens in the Senate. And even though the House is going to move quickly, there's going to be this process, as Kathy went over, where the Senate's going to pass something that doesn't jive exactly with what the House did. And they'll have to come together, the House and the Senate, to agree on a planned going forward bill that each of the chambers has to repass. So you can have opportunities uh, at the House in this second bite at the apple. And there's also the administration. They're going to play a role in this too. So you can influence, you can try to influence 
the provisions that perhaps hit your business the hardest. But again, what you have to keep in mind, as Kathy went over, there are a lot of constraints to getting this done. So I think for business, take an overall look, take a step back. And even if there are provisions you don't quite like, if you're doing well overall, consider whether it's worth perhaps putting in jeopardy the passage of the bill to get it perfect for you as opposed to getting it good enough. Okay. Well, everyone, thank you so much. I first want to thank my co-host, Justin, and of course, our esteemed panelists, uh, Jose, Michael, and Kathy, our tax policy experts for today. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. This is uh, an episode of Bloomberg Taxes Talking Tax. Uh, stay tuned for more updates on this tax bill in the weeks to come. We thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for joining us today on Talking Tax. Our podcast is one of many that Bloomberg BNA has to offer. Visit bna.com for all BBNA sponsored podcasts and make sure to follow Bloomberg BNA Tax on Twitter. We look forward to giving you more in depth analyses on the next episode of Talking Tax. Until then, signing off from Crystal City, I'm Matthew Benningfield.